Hello, and we're back with Hostels in Hawaii. Um, this very special guest is a podcaster herself. She doesn't actually stay at the hostel, but she's very interesting, full of life experience and stories and good advice and just, like, very smart um, and just great to talk to. Um, want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Lisa M.K. Ling, and my podcast is One Small Thing. Um, and I am the mom, 50-year-old mom of one of Zoe's friends, Bodhi Patil, yeah. who is also out here in Hawaii on a gap year. And I came out for a month to live with my son and just generally have a good time and finish up a book that I'm writing about flow state, which is something that I teach. Yeah, and we will definitely get into all of that. And so she's out here in Hawaii, and now she's just hanging out with me because <laughs> um, we're hanging out on the beach right now. But he's doing some free diving, um, and I just I love hanging out with Buddy and his mom. It's the most fun, and I love talking to her. So I was like, let's film a podcast together. She's the one that originally inspired me to start this um, with her podcast, and hers is amazing. Definitely go check it out. Um, so today. We were talking the other day about um, like relationships and love and all of that. And we were just talking about the witness coming in. Hopefully, it's not messing with the audio. Also, my voice is a little raspy. Um, we're just gonna enjoy it. I think it sounds nice. Um, but we were talking the other day about love, relationships, and like my perspective from being 18 and like young love, and then Lisa's perspective um, because she's married and obviously has a very different, you know, like perspective on love, and it's just really interesting. And so um, she has a very like amazing family, like very successful, like very happy relationship, and I think like a lot of people strive for that and want that, and it definitely is doesn't come easily. I don't think. I think it's something you have to work for. Um, and so I just wanted to ask her a little bit about like, you know, what are some of the things that you do to, you know, have such a happy life, a happy family, all of those things. Um, and also just like how, you know, how do you have such a happy, successful relationship for so long? Um, so yeah, take the floor. Okay. It's a lot. That was a lot of work. Lots to unpack there. Yeah, let's start at the very beginning. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to go through my entire life story, but yeah, um, 18-year-old versus 50-year-old perspective on love, you know, it. part of this started in the car when Zoe and her friend Sophia were like, you know, I'm falling in love with people and you're <laughs> falling out of love. And, and then they asked me, well, what's what does love mean to you? And I said, well, the feeling of falling in love was a very long time ago because my, my husband and I have been married for 25 years. and And so it starts out as that, right? But then it grows into something a lot more. It grows into obviously a deep commitment to each other and it, you know, to building something together. You're building a family together. And you also grow, you know, you grow together, but you also grow apart. Like people, everybody grows apart sometimes and then you have to make choices. And uh, my husband and I did also, you know, there, there was a point where it was very difficult and we could barely speak to each other and we decided that we really wanted to work at growing together again because we wanted to keep that commitment we wanted to keep our family together um and that was probably the point where we actually really started helping each other become who we're meant to be and that to me is is where I feel like we're at now where we really appreciate each other's differences um which is something you know interesting in the beginning the things you love about the person tend to become the things you hate about the person after x number of years yeah and, and, and you've been married how many years 
25 years, which is longer than I've been on this planet Earth. (laughs) So the idea of that to me is crazy. That's a long time to be committed to one person. But I do love what you're saying about like, you just have to kind of choose each other. You grow together. And that's like, instead of growing apart, you grow with each other. You grow into the people who you're supposed to be. And I think that's a beautiful thing. If you find someone that you guys choose each other like every day and choose to push each other, challenge each other, grow with each other. Um, I think that's a beautiful thing. I love the way that you describe love because I do think a lot of kids my age, we look at it as some like, sorry, the wind is coming and I really feel like the wind might be messing with the audio, but um, hopefully not. But I do think when you're my age, 18, like love feels like this magical thing or like, you know, I don't know, it feels like in the movies or something like that and really it's it takes a lot of work and growth and it doesn't come easily so i love what you like what you say i continue but i just i want to say that i yeah, love what you're saying absolutely um well i think love is so many different things it is a magical <laughs> feeling and it is that you know young love the falling in love is is totally magical and it's so many like there's a thousand shades of love it's not just one shade, right? And um, part of life is going through all of those different shades, including heartbreak. And, and that's how you figure out what you want. Also, by, by experiencing things you, you want and experiencing things you don't want. And it's all part of it. Yeah. It's not good or bad. It's just part of life. the flow of life. And you're constantly making choices. And as long as you realize that you get to make choices then you keep your power and you never give your power away and I think that's one of the most important things you know you're not a victim you're a powerful creator and everything is created in your mind and in your heart before it's created in the world and so when you go through things that are difficult you just have to use that to decide okay this is what I don't want so what do I want and Usually we want the opposite of whatever difficulty we're facing. So just take the opposite of that. If you're experiencing heartbreak, then you know you want um, you want somebody who really understands you, yeah. sees you, hears you, and is there for you. I also think like heartbreak is not it's not all bad. I mean, I've been through heartbreak, and let me tell you that shit does suck. But it sucks. There's no way around it. Um, like my heart has been in like physical pain before and it's it's insane to be going through it but once you're out of it wow my voice is really going we love it um but once you're out of it i mean you learn and grow so much as a person and i would not take anything back i would i would not take i I wouldn't wish away that pain that i went through because it does really change your outlook on life and like i feel like i've grown and matured so much from going through my first love and my first heartbreak um and i wouldn't be the person that i am today without that and so i think like i know a lot of people our age like sometimes are afraid to catch feelings or fall in love or they still are trying to figure out what that even means to them and I think that's totally okay I mean I think when you're young you're still trying to figure everything out but my advice would always just be just go for it like just just let yourself feel every emotion because you shouldn't go through life being afraid to feel those emotions because you're afraid of being hurt because the hurt does suck but you will there will always be a silver lining to that cloud to the dark cloud um and it teaches you things and you figure out what you want like 
in a relationship like you understand more like how you are in relationships and what you don't want and what you do want and it, that's all things that you need to you need to go through that pain you need to go through the heartbreak to finally be happy and be in a successful 25 year relationship and be able to be ready to grow with that person and choose them every day so I think I don't know I think the heartbreak isn't all that bad um when you really look back and once you're out of it you know it's it's something that you can really appreciate um for what it is I guess I don't know I mean that's also if if I were to tell myself that when I was going through it I would be like I do not want to hear that please don't say that to me this hurts so bad but um you know once you once you are out of it it's like you have a whole different perspective on it so that's why I think it's also interesting like our two perspectives on it like I'm sure like when you see like your kids go yeah at this young age going through love and heartbreak it's probably feels so far away for you you know like especially you're saying like the first initial falling in love was so long for you do you still remember what that was like yeah I mean it's the same right humans aren't that different right but actually my take on it is actually very similar to yours because the pain and the joy (laughs) are basically two sides of the same coin and you you can't have one without the other you don't you wouldn't know what joy and love is without pain and suffering and so although we don't like one the contrast is is really your friend like if we don't make it bad, and this is actually what I teach now, like flow state is a huge part of this. A lot yeah, of it you is... you want to explain a little bit about that before you get in flow, yeah, what flow state is, sure. before you get into that, and then explain, because I think it's super interesting. Yeah, so flow, flow state, flow state is basically like in the zone. When athletes say they're in the zone, that's basically flow. It's a very well-known, well-researched state of being where you're basically super calm and relaxed, but super alert and focused at the same time. And you have your best performance, whatever it is you're doing. It could be sports, music, dance, parenting, work, uh, just living. It, it doesn't really matter. You're in a state where you're, there, there's certain characteristics. One is that you're absolutely loving what you're doing. A second is that you're achieving your best results. A third is that you lose track of time Um, and a fourth is that you just kind of in the flow and everything feels effortless, easy and enjoyable. So like, who doesn't want that? (laughs) You basically, I want that. That sounds awesome. Right. So you can actually train this. People think you get into this state by accident, which you normally do. And everybody's kind of experienced it by accident, whether you're just kind of a kid running out into the playground at recess or you're an adult and you're, I don't know, you're just watching your baby sleep or something you know you get into the or you're petting your dog and you're just Mm -hmm. chilling you know everybody's experienced it but you can actually train yourself to create it on purpose and then you can train yourself to stay in it and then you can train yourself to live in it which is super cool and you were saying Zoe like how have we created a happy family and all that and a lot of it is by um the, by training, you know, into a flow state, which is a lot about regulating, integrating, and elevating your body, your mind, and your spirit. So all the different parts of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Beautiful. It sounds amazing. I'm like, uh, whatever that is, I want that. I want to do that. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the funny thing is, I happened upon this. I did not intend to spend my life 
researching, training, teaching flow state. I was trained as a lawyer. I was also a high-performance athlete. I was on the national karate team for many, many years. And then I became a mother, and it was through... She does it all, ladies and gentlemen. She does it all. (laughs) And through um, being a mom, I was pretty much tiger mom from hell in the beginning. It was my way or the highway. And then my eldest child, Bodhi, who is Zoe's friend, who's also 18 and living in Hawaii, um, you know, he basically wouldn't tolerate me controlling him. And at age three, forced me to give up punishment, forced me to give up controlling him. And that really made me grow and think of parenting in a different way. Instead of thinking I'm the boss and you have to listen to me, I realized that we each have things to teach each other. I mean, I'm teaching my kids when they were little how to eat with a fork and tie their shoes, and they're teaching me how to live with joy and be in the moment and see the awe and the wonder of life. And I mean, that is incredible. If you're open to seeing that, your children can just really open and reawaken new parts of you that have kind of, you know, get they kind of get squashed by life, by all the responsibilities and all that. So, yeah. yeah. I definitely do see that in some adults. Like, you can tell when people, oh, the wind, no. The wind, I don't, I, it'll be so funny if the audio doesn't pick up the wind. And I'm just like, the wind. Um, but I see that in some adults. You see that they've kind of lost joy in the world. And I think that's something that I've always had a really strong sense of, of just having this, like, childlike wonder about the world. I mean, I think the world's beautiful. And every day I wake up, I'm like, I am here. I am living another day. And I'm excited about it. And I think it's so easy to find beauty and wonder in the little things of life. Um, but I do, I mean, I guess I'm still only 18, so maybe it's like that just hasn't been like taken. So I did just get a call in the middle of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And so um, we're just going to add this segment to the last segment. But I forget, I was I was on a roll, and now I'm not exactly sure where I was. I think I was just talking about having wonder about the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. The world is beautiful. I mean, I think if you are kind of in that state of mind where you're starting to kind of lose your love for the world, I think my favorite thing to do is I go out um, and I sometimes I just put on music on my phone and I just go run around on the streets late at night by myself or with friends. It doesn't matter. And I just I just start dancing and running and, and yelling and, and singing and just skipping. And I think that is something that always gets me into the mood of just like enjoying life. So that would be my advice. I call them dance runs. And whenever I meet people, I uh, try to get them, I try to peer pressure them into doing it with me. And it's so much fun. I mean, at least for me, I don't know about for them. Maybe they're not, I don't no, I mean, they, they, you should enjoy. You just feel free. So I think you just gotta do stuff that makes you feel free. It makes you feel alive, and you know, just makes you happy. I mean, we're only on this earth for so little time, so you may as well be happy. You gotta do the things that make you happy, even just little things like, especially just going, taking time for yourself, going to the park to paint is something I do a lot too. It's just like bringing my paints, bringing my like blanket, some food, and just like being creative and not even caring about how it turns out. It's just about enjoying the painting so just find things that you enjoy in life because i love how i just went on this rant but you gotta find things you enjoy in life and just enjoy the hell out of them while you can because we only have so much time life is very precious i think so that is something that's um 
that is my take on it. I, I kind of want to hear your take on it now. Just like how how do you enjoy the little things in life, or if you are feeling down, how do you you know hype yourself back up, make yourself feel alive? What do you do? Great question. Yes, that's the 18 year old version, and I'm going to give you the 50 year old version. Also, let me just say, she does not look a day over 30, and not a day over 25. So I she keeps saying 50, and I'm like, don't do yourself I am, like that. I am 50. <laughs> yeah, I'm I know. happy about being 50. I'm, yeah, yeah. 50 is like, by the time you reach 50, you know who you are, and you don't really care what other people think of you, and it's just very liberating. So I'm very, very yeah. happy to be 50. 50 is the new 20. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If only I felt like this at 20. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the 50-year-old version of that for some people is like, you know, wine. But I don't drink. Um, and I don't drink, I don't drink alcohol. I don't drink coffee. So the way I do that, the way I help myself feel better is first of all by not making the negative feelings bad like I used to and not trying to get rid of them. I actually just let them be and um, part of that is just meditating and having quiet time and then letting those emotions, you know, because emotion is energy in motion in your body and I work with energy and energy can be transformed. So the same thing that causes sadness and um, worry, doubt, like anger, all of that stuff can be transformed into joy, peace, harmony, excitement, love. But it needs to do it on its own time, I find. And then and and those negative emotions exist for a reason. So I just kind of let them be. And I listen to what they have to tell to tell me. You know, because there's usually a message there. Some sometimes like for anger, for example, Anger is a catalyst for change. And ang- when I'm angry now, um, it usually means something needs to change. Like maybe my perspective needs to change or something in the system, in the household system or the relationship, you know, needs to change. And so then I look at that. Um, so, yeah, I'm not really trying to get rid of it. Um, I've come, by the time you reach a certain age, I think you come to accept all the different parts of yourself, including the not so shiny, mm-hmm. you know, nice bits, the the curmudgeonly, angry, <laughs> doubtful yeah. bits too. I also think everyone has flaws. Everything has, yeah. everyone has things that they might not love about themselves, but I think you have to learn to try to love everything about yourself because everything that, that even the flaws, the insecurities, it all makes up who you are. And so the sooner you can just accept it and be like, this is who I am. Or if it's something that you want to change and you want to grow and change in that area and you think it's something that you need to improve on, then that's something that you work on. I mean, I think constantly working on yourself and loving yourself is so important. Even if you're 50 or 18, it doesn't matter what age you are. You're always evolving, growing, learning as a person. Um, And so all you have to do is you know keep keep growing keep learning but also don't be too hard on yourself i don't think you should be beating yourself up about little things that you might not love by yourself i don't know i just try to love i love all me even the flaws even the you know parts that i know i can work on um i think that's that's what you gotta do to be happy at least um i don't know i don't know continue what you're yeah i agree absolutely we actually have very similar outlooks and acceptance is the you know with acceptance comes Mm self-love and also you need a good dose of Mm self-care 
So I have pretty robust self-care routines yeah. and things that I do to take care of myself. Um, I used to be, when I was an athlete, I was at the top of my list and I really had to pay attention to my body, my mind, my spirit, my energy level, my food, my nutrition, everything. And then when you become a mother, somehow you kind of fall to the bottom of the list and you even, because right. your baby like will literally die if you don't take care of it. And so you learn to take put the baby you know first and then pretty soon other people become first your spouse goes above you as well and then eventually even the pets even the dogs (laughs) even the house i mean it's funny (laughs) obviously right now i'm 18 so i'm really i'm my own responsibility now I'm, i'm technically an adult even though i can never picture myself as an adult i feel like i'm still a child but i do feel like taking care of myself it's like that is enough for me you know that i can barely handle that <laughs> barely, barely can take care of myself so the idea of taking care of a whole nother human being like that kind of like baffles me sometimes the fact that a whole nother human being's life is fully in your hands and you have to take care of it and i think that um I think I admire you, obviously, because I think you have so much other things going for you. You have your own ambitions and passions, and you have a book that you're writing, a podcast, and you also are taking care of a whole family. So um, I want you to talk a little bit about that, too. Like, how do you kind of, like, raise a family, take care of whole other human beings, but then also how do you make time for yourself and make sure that you still have the time to do the things that you love and you still have your whole other life, and your whole life isn't just taking care of your family? Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and I think that it's really important to have passions of your own, whether they're part of a paid profession or <laughs> just a hobby or whatever, because, um, of course, raising a family is a huge, huge, massive undertaking, and, and it takes a tremendous amount of time and effort. And But as your kids grow up, you know, the biggest thing they've taught me is that I have to let go. And there actually came a point when they started getting into like preteen and then teen where, you know, you realize that doing too much for them actually hurts them. Mm-hmm. Like you, they need to be able to fall down and pick themselves up. Like they need to go through certain things. And so I realized I needed to put more energy into other projects. And um, funnily enough, Ironically enough, a lot of the things that I do now actually came from things that I learned from my kids and balancing them out with things that I learned from sports and law, being a lawyer and just other parts of my life. Um, It's all kind of added together. And so I started my own business. I've been writing books. And, you know, as the kids grow up, I've put more and more energy into those other projects. And so they kind of they kind of dovetail each other and mm-hmm. now that Bodhi has left home you know there's a big shift for me into really my books in a way have become like my third children mm-hmm. third child because I'm just really passionate about that and I have a lot of love and uh, capacity and a lot of that that passion has to go somewhere and it can't just all go into my children otherwise they'll feel smothered by it and they need room to just be themselves so um, as they've grown up I've just put more and more energy into other passions and stuff and it's good for everybody yeah 
And um, what is the biggest thing that your kids have taught you? Because you say a lot how, like, you obviously, as a parent, teach your kid things, you know, you're you're helping them grow up in the world, but you are very self-aware, and you're like, no, my kids have taught me maybe just as much as I've taught them, which I don't hear a lot of parents say. I think that's a very, like, like self-aware and cool outlook on it, that you can learn from your kids just as much as they can learn from you. So what would you say is, like, the biggest thing that each of your kids has taught you? And also, your spouse. What's your spouse? Oh, that's a wind coming. <laughs> okay. Blocking the wind with the hat. Um, that's such a great question, Zoe. You know, my kids have taught me so many things. I would say there's probably like two or three of the top things. It's hard to narrow it down to one. But the first, I would say, is that no matter what age your children are, they're equal in the sense that they're equal to you in the sense that they're an equal human being. I mean, when Bodhi was three, he made us give up punishment because he got so upset when we gave him timeouts, which was the most mild form of punishment we could think of. He got extraordinarily upset, so much that it made me doubt myself as a mother and be really disturbed to see my child that upset. And I told my husband, you know, we can't keep going down this path, like something has to change. And so we actually just gave up punishment, which was basically, I realized, using fear to control your child. And and in, in doing that, we actually gave up and started to examine fear-based thinking, <laughs> which is like huge. We started to look at all of our thinking and our decisions and be like, okay, what is fear-based and what is not? It's either fear-based or love-based. And we made choices. And that was a huge turning point in our life as individuals and as a family. So that's one thing I learned from them is that we don't have to have fear-based thinking. And, um, and that we are all kind of, instead of having a relationship of authority and submission, which is fear-based, like you have to control somebody, you don't actually have to do that. I mean, I didn't know there was a choice when I was a young mom because that's just the way I grew up. If I didn't obey, I was punished. And then I learned that you can actually just have a relationship with your child of mutual understanding and respect. Yes, even at age three, Mm -hmm. you can develop a relationship where you just talk to each other, understand each other, and there's, even at three, the child can understand that, that you, that you both need to get along, you can't make each other do anything, and so you have to understand and respect each other, mm-hmm. and, and that's a huge thing, and then the, the third thing I would say, the biggest, th- big thing that I learned from them is letting go, <coughs> just letting go, and they, they're all related, right, they're all yeah. around control, and I think that's the biggest thing why teenagers don't get along with their parents is has to do with control. But if you don't have a relationship based on control, then you can actually have a fantastic relationship with your kids right through teenagehood. Like Bodhi and I and Meijin, my daughter who's 16, we are closer than ever while they're teenagers because that relationship that was control-based, that was cut when Bodhi was three. Like we cha- we changed that at age three, and so we we evolved together on a different fork in the road. So by the time he was a teenager, it was like it was never about control. It was about definitely about there. Definitely, they need boundaries and rules, and for sure. 
and and he made us bring back punishment a little bit too <laughs> but i feel like that's all part of being a teenager being as well um and i also hope i hope the wind isn't too bad with the audio and i hope you guys aren't hearing my casual coughing in the background i just have a little bit of a sore throat um because you are saying some wise words i don't want it to be you know overshadowed by the wind or my coughing so i'm trying to hold it in as best as possible but i also i feel like my parents did a great job of not really not um not control not being controlling or not um controlling my fear but like by you know like just leading my example I think I look up to my parents so much and I feel like I always had a good relationship with them through my teen years because I felt like we did look at each other as you know um just people like we are all just people um and if you love each other and you try to just work through everything together and you work as a team I guess my parents have kind of always um just show me how good of a team they are together and it's really inspiring and I have so much love and respect for both of them um and so I think that is what made us work really well as a family and and I never felt really distant to them um when I was a teenager mostly because I knew that they're people too and that's it's um it's interesting to hear your perspective um to be like yeah my kids are people too but then from the kids perspective of oh, my parents are people too so anytime I did mess up or make a mistake or do something stupid as a kid I would remember like my parents will understand they were kids once too and your parents aren't perfect they made mistakes when they were younger too um and so they should be understanding of your mistakes and they're here to help you learn and grow from those mistakes and so I think that's something that I learned while I was growing up is like it's okay to it's okay to lean on your parents sometimes and it's okay to mess up and it's okay to you know get in trouble every once in a while um because it's all part of life I think and it's all part of just you and your parents relationship um getting closer too I think if you if you do mess up and talk things through you become closer than if you just never talk to them about stuff or you pretend like everything's okay or you you try to be this perfect child because you're afraid of what would happen the punishment I think it's much more natural to just live and learn and grow so I think it's really cool to hear the parents perspective um and that's my perspective as the kid I mean I'm 18 technically an adult but I'm obviously I'm still their daughter you know I still call them all the time I miss them so much while I've been in Hawaii um and they're, they'll always be my mom and dad so yeah I love them if, they, if they're listening hey love you guys <laughs> um but yeah what's the my other question was what is the biggest thing that your spouse has taught you oh my so many things um where to begin well you know opposites attract right and I don't think there's anybody who would say they're the exact same as their spouse <laughs> Um, and like I said before, I think the things you fall in love with a person for over time become the things you, you literally can't stand about them. But then that makes you grow because your spouse is in a way reflecting things to you about yourself and the things you probably hate about them or dislike about them really are also in you um, if you're willing to accept it and grow um often you're you know it's hard to do that i'm not saying it's easy it takes a lot of courage to look inside 
my name Lisa by the way I've decided stands for look inside always <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool so as soon as I start pointing the figure at somebody else namely my spouse which is so tempting to do because you know you spend the most time with them so we usually blame the people we're around the most just because it's easy <laughs> yeah. especially during COVID I mean who else are you gonna blame you don't see anybody else so <laughs> So, um, yeah, when I point my finger at my spouse, um, Pawan, you know, there's three fingers pointing back at me. And I think if you're willing to examine those other three fingers, then you can really grow as a person. Um, And your spouse is basically reflecting to you parts of yourself. Mm-hmm. that maybe you have rejected, maybe that are out of balance, maybe that are, you know, starved for attention. Um, so if you're willing to see it that way, you know, things can can really change. And mm-hmm. then you can actually appreciate each other's differences. And that's what I mean when I say help each other become who you're meant to be. Because mm-hmm. the love bonds you, the trust bonds you. But then the challenging things, the probing things, the annoying things, they make you examine each other, but they also make you examine yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you become who you're meant to be. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Well, this has been awesome. I love talking to you about stuff because you have such a not unique ex- perspective. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, you just have the parent, the, the adult, the apparent um, perspective. Um, I do think you're very wise. Um, and just great to talk to you about everything. Um, do you have any final last words? Anything you want to say to the people? The people! Come to Hawaii and lie on the beach and get some of Mother Nature's power and abundance. We're, we are sharing it with you here. There's the sun shining down in the afternoon, the warm sand, the ocean. No waves anymore because we're heading towards summer. The same beach, we're, we're at Pipeline right now, and this beach produces like 30, 40, 50 foot waves in the winter that the big wave surfers surf on. It's one of the most famous surf beaches in the world. But right now it is absolutely still. And that just goes to show you that the one constant in life is change. So just roll with it. Ooh, love that. Great way to end it. Well, this has been Zoe and Lisa, Hostels in Hawaii. Not in the hostel this time, but you know, it's still the name of the podcast, so we're rolling with it. But um, thanks so much. Bye.